0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, tonight I'll be concluding my series, hopefully, if I get through it. Uh, I, I should be able to, on, on the fruit, supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. I like calling it supernatural because this is not a normal thing. The the, the fruit of the Spirit, these nine fruit of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, they come straight from the, the Spirit of Jesus that is on side of every believer. Every believer, you either have the Spirit of Jesus in you or you don't. That's what Paul says in Romans. You either have it or you don't. And if you have it, you actually have this nature. All you have this, this, this resurrection power, this supernatural power on the inside of you. This is your nature. This is this is what you are to produce. And if you're producing the opposite, if you're if you're um, just fulfilling the, the works of the flesh, you, you need to. It's going to go against the grain. It's going to go against you know, Jesus that's on the inside of you. So Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And I really believe that all these fruit, they are supernatural. They come from the same life source, the same branch of righteousness that's on the inside of you. They, and they are supernatural, and they're actually a byproduct of what has happened in your spirit when you were made a new creation. So we went through the first three fruits that um, I believe correlate um, to your relationship with God. And, and um, what we'll see here, a lot, a lot of these fruits always tie back to the very first one, the first fruit, which is love. And I'm going to conclude kind of tying everything back into love. But um, the first fruit there is love, joy, and peace. All these are connected with our relationship with God. The second three fruits correlate to our relationship with others. And, uh, man, these these things all, um, when 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 you're in tune with God and realize how much he loves you and you love him, you're going to see, hey, he loves other people too, and I need to act a certain way towards them. So you're going to be long-suffering towards other people. You're gonna keep giving people a second chance, keep loving them, keep giving them grace, keep being patient towards them. You'll be long-suffering, you'll have kindness flowing out of you, kindness is manifested to others. We talked about through your words that you speak, the law of kindness is on her lips. Proverbs 31, wisdom is on her mouth and the law of kindness is on her lips. There's a law of kindness. If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. And these kinda tie into what we'd be talking about, self-control. Who can control their mouth? Um, kindness and goodness. Goodness is expressed through, through, through giving. We know that God is good because of what he has given us. I know that God is 100% good because he only gives good things. He gives no bad things. He gives no evil things. He, gives, he, he only has good things to give. If it's good, if it's perfect, it's from our Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Michelle had a great word just about about just the light of Jesus, how there is no shadow in him at all. He is the very expressed image of the Father. There is only goodness in him. The last three fruit correlate to our relationship with yourself. See, I have a relationship with myself. Some of you don't, apparently. You just like. And we'll talk about about we, we talked about faithfulness. You can't make someone else be faithful because faithfulness is a personal fruit. It's a a relationship with their self. So if someone in your life has been very unfaithful towards you, it's not your fault. Say, it's not my fault. Stop blaming yourself. And uh, maybe you think, I should have known better. These last three fruit, they're probably the rarest of all traits. They are very rare. And even, even in Proverbs, it says, who can find a faithful man? It's a rare thing. Faithfulness, um, gentleness, or meekness. I'll talk about, about both of those terms, gentleness and meekness. And lastly, self-control. And um, these, these fruit that deal with your self-relationship take practice. We talked about um, in Galatians 5.21 how um, it says, as I told you in time past, those who practice, say practice. When you practice something, you, you don't do it accidentally. Now I'm trying to teach my nine-year-old son how to play piano. And so- sometimes when he makes a mistake and, and you know, doesn't do what he's supposed to do, he'll say, That's, that was an accident. I've never heard him say, you know, uh, I accidentally practiced piano. Or I accidentally you know, did my homework. Or I accidentally did my reading. Or I accidentally you know, practiced my spelling words. Practice is very intentional. It's very thoughtful. You can't just practice while you're watching TV. You can't memorize things while you're sleeping at night. And some of you might say, well, I just pray, you know, when I go to sleep at night. That's when I spend time with God. No. Uh, certain things have to be done with, with full awareness. Practice is one of those things. And it says um, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you practice the works of the flesh, that will um, limit your inheritance from God. If you practice the fruit of the Spirit, you are intentional about it. You make it a priority. You do it consistently. You do it every day, not just once a week. You know, if you want to get good at an instrument, you can't just practice 15 minutes one day a week. Or just one hour, one day a week. you've got to do it every, if you want to learn a language, you can't just do it once a month. You can't just do it on Christmas and on Easter. You know I really want to become fluent in Russian so I can speak to art in his mother language. I can't just say, oh, "I'm just going to practice on Christmas and Easter. Now, if you want a full inheritance, you're gonna do it consistently, and something about practice, and especially these last three, dealing with your self-relationship, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, practice practice is done, if, you, if you've really tried to master something, maybe try to master a sport, uh, football, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, master an instrument, practice occurs, really, it, it's on your own. Especially as a musician, what are you doing? When you practice, you go into a room by yourself. You close the door and you're focused. You're on your own. You're not performing. You're not trying to impress other people. You're not really worried about what other people think. You are on your own. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these things are practiced when you're on your own, when no one is looking, when there isn't a stage, when there isn't a performance. A lot of people want to show off when there's a stage. Look at me. But these things are practiced when, you're, when no one is watching. That's when true practice occurs, when no one is watching. It's very different than being out on a stage. But when you make a practice, when you make a priority of growing in these things, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, there is going to be a great inheritance for it. We talked about the inheritance, the promise that's attached to faithfulness. It's actually so great of an inheritance that you can't contain all the blessing on your own. It's such a great inheritance that it's going to be poured out upon generations after you. Proverbs 20, verse 6 and 7 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man will walk in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The inheritance on faithfulness is so great, so profound, that that it's actually going to impact your children after you. And some of you might have children that have gone a little bit astray. You can declare this promise. You say, God, I'm gonna remain faithful. I'm gonna keep doing what you call me to do. I'm gonna keep trusting you. I am a righteous person. I walk in integrity, and my children are blessed after me. The inheritance that you have for me is not just for me, but it is for my children after me. This church isn't just a blessing to one generation. This church is a blessing to many generations. I love people with gray hair. I love people with no hair. I love people with that toddle around, that have a little teenage attitude. I love every generation. Every generation is blessed here. There is a blessing for every generation here. Amen. This is a faithful church. We'll talk about gentleness, also called meekness, and self control, also known as temperance. And these are very rare, very hard to find. And because they are a self relational um, fruit, they're especially hard to observe. Things that are very rare, th- things that are very valuable, it-, it takes some digging to get to them. It takes some time to find these things in people. But, but there, there is a way to tell if people have these three fruit. There are two ways. There are two ways to tell if people are either faithful, meek, or, or have self-control on a consistent basis. Two, two ways to tell. Number one, time will tell. Time will tell. Number two, see how people react when they don't get what they want. And this is, this is a great word for everyone here tonight. In any relational setting whether it be at work with your boss, coworkers, whether it be in your marriage with your spouse, friendships, family, church. Church is a relational place. When in any relational setting, you don't always get what you want. You don't always get what you want. That could be a, a word for Karis Christian Center. Have it your way, no. This is not McDonald's, Burger King, you know, really, really a, good, a good motto for, for any, any church is you don't always get what you want. But then if you don't get what you want, is this when you make a quick dash for the door? And suddenly I have a word from the Lord that I'm to dash, door dash? All right, Gentleness. Also called meekness. I really like the word meekness. So gentleness, meekness. Um, this is my point for this fruit. You can't be self-seeking and Christ-seeking. And there, there is an immense, immense, immense inheritance for the fruit of meekness. It's so immense that I think it's immeasurable. It's huge. Uh, an enormous kingdom inheritance for those who are meek. And I think that's really why the enemy tries to devour people with pride. Pride is the opposite of meekness. Um, you know, sometimes people say humility is the opposite of, of, of pride. Meekness is really the, op- meekness is, is like an action. How do you react? What action do you take? There, there's a, a, an, atta- uh, an action with, with meekness. And I think the enemy really try, tries to devour people with pride, you didn't get what you wanted. No one cares about you, no, you're not recognizable, you're, you're not getting a big enough platform. Uh, what's, you know, you, you should have been treated differently. And uh, what, what happens when you have these kind of thoughts going on in your mind? But um, uh, man, the, the enemy really devours people with pride. I, I see people who, who should know better who just get devoured by pride and it, it it's because the enemy wants to stop them from advancing the kingdom and receiving the vast and limitless inheritance God has for them. There is an enormous promise of inheritance for meekness. That's why Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth, the earth. How many of you have you been all across the world, The, the earth. I've, I've been a few places, but it's a pretty immeasurable, pretty immense um, inheritance. The meek shall inherit the earth. And Jesus is actually quoting on um, the psalmist, Psalm 3711. The meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Jesus, Jesus was actually the, the prime example of meekness, of not just reacting with this kind of thought, this attitude, what's in it for me? Meekness is not weakness. Jesus was not weak. When he was on the the cross, he was not being weak. He could have wiped out every single Roman soldier in that empire in an instant. But he didn't do so because he he knew the love of the Father. He knew that he was the only begotten of the Father, and he knew that God's love for him, and he knew God's love for people. That's why he was saying, God forgive, Father, forgive them. An enormous, enormous inheritance for meekness. Psalm 2, let's go to Psalm 2. This is a, a profound uh, prophecy about Jesus. Psalm 2. We'll start reading the first few verses and skip ahead a little bit, but Psalm 2. One through three, a, a, a lot of people in the world see meekness as weakness. They see when someone you know, just doesn't, the, the, the thing that attracts most people, and it's kind of a fleshly type thing, is when people are just ranting and railing and causing a giant ruckus and being loud, and uh, that, that's what impresses a lot of people. That's what gets a lot of likes, a lot of subscribers, a lot of, um, But Psalm 2, 1 through 3, let's read this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 7. It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Pride is the exact opposite of meekness. Pride often asks these types of questions. You know, these type of fruit, the two, the two tests that, that really test out this fruit, the fruit of faithfulness, the fruit of gentleness and meekness and self-control. Time is one test, the other test is, what happens when you don't get what you want? You know, it, it's, it's okay to have ideas and it's okay to present them to people, but if, if your idea doesn't happen, how do you react? I don't get my way on a consistent basis here. I have to crucify my flesh on a daily basis working here for you all, serving you all with, with joy and love and peace, and, which I, I, I am tremendously, tremendously blessed. I am right smack dab in the middle of where God has me, doing exactly what he has called me to do right now. But it takes a lot of energy, a lot of focused, intentional energy to continually be meek. When I don't get what, what I want. And, and these questions come to all of us. You know, What's in it for me? Why didn't I get the recognition that I deserve? Why, well, I was mistreated, I was disrespected. You know, I'm entitled to do what I want to do. And that, that's really, uh, that's, uh, that's coming from a spirit of pride. And you see that a lot in the world today, this very disrespectful, rude, entitled type of, of attitude and, um, you know, in seeking justice. There's a lot of... And I have, I, have, I have some great words for people tonight. Number one, you cannot find true justice outside of Jesus. Any social movement for justice outside of Jesus, it's going to be a vain thing. You cannot find true justice outside of Jesus. Number two, you can't find true retribution outside of Jesus. And um, that that attitude of entitlement, disrespect, being filled with rage, exceeding rage. Paul, Paul talked about having an exceeding rage before he came to Christ. It comes from a spirit of pride because the inheritance for meekness is so incredible. I think oftentimes the number one attack of the enemy is to devour people with pride. Pride will devour you. It will devour you. Um, let's go to 1 Peter 5. I'm going to read something here in 1 Peter 5. You guys actually came on a great night. I could I could man, I got so excited studying out meekness/gentleness. And um, I I could do, I could preach, this is what the church needs to hear today. Anyone in any type of relational setting? Meekness. How do you react when you don't get what you want? Heather, do you always get what you want being married to me? No. She says no. (laughs) So if you go into, you know, dating someone, and we have young people here tonight who are dating, or thinking about dating, or thinking about being married someday, expectation of always getting what you want, not going to happen, ever. (laughs) There won't be a single, maybe, I don't even, on Mother's Day, I don't even think Heather gets, I try to give her everything she wants on Mother's Day, but even that usually doesn't happen. (laughs) 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 5, likewise you younger people submit, man, I love the word submit. That is a very meek word. And what if Pastor Lawson just preached a whole series Sunday mornings on submission in the church? And that would be a number one (laughs) best-selling Sunday morning series. Point number one, you're not always going to get what you want. (laughs) Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. That should be on my job description, you know, meekness, submission. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, I want an inheritance of grace. I want a blessing of grace. I want more of God's unconditional, unmerited, supernatural power in my life. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, So so really it goes to your relationship with God. Even though I'm not getting what I want, even though I think this guy should do it another way, my husband is dumb, he doesn't know what he's talking about, he should do it my way. Ultimately it comes down to are you going to keep trusting God or not? Humble yourselves into the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober. Pride will actually make you drunk with stupidity. You will not be able to walk on a straight line that God has. You will not have any sense of direction or sense of equilibrium. You will be be so, pride pride will, will get you off course. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How does he devour people in context? Pride. Heather got it. Ding, ding, ding. Resist him. Resist pride. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Meekness is not weakness. It's controlled power. Maybe maybe you have a great deal of, of knowledge, a great deal of skill, a great deal of talent, a great deal of experience, and you just want everyone to know everything that you know. Sometimes Jesus would just react with silence. Meekness is not weakness. It's controlled power and controlled use of authority. Even if you are in a position of authority, it doesn't mean you just need to unleash it all the time. It's like a bridled horse or an anchored ship. Meekness. Jesus always has to be your priority. Self-seeking will not work out. Man-pleasing will not work out. You can't worry about what other people think. This needs to be your question. Jesus, what pleases you? I want to honor you, Jesus, above all else. Jesus is extremely attracted to this fruit, this fruit of meekness. There's something about this fruit, something about meekness, this meek, gentle spirit. It is incredibly attractive to God. And he talks about it. And let's go to 1 Peter 3. You guys are going to get some really good stuff here in 1 Peter 3. Get ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. 1 Peter 3. We'll start in verse 3. Man, this, this is so good. And, and it's often mis, misinterpreted. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing the gold, or putting on a fine apparel. So, so is it saying don't arrange your hair, don't wear gold? Don't? It's actually saying you should do these things, right? It's saying this is a given. Women, you should, you should care about your outward appearance. Men should care about their outward appearance. If I just came in here just disheveled, just wearing pajamas and. It's actually, it's actually not that respectful, you know? So, so the, it, it's saying that, the, it's actually saying the, these, these are a given thing that you do outwardly arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on a fine apparel. It's funny that the church is really twisted. It says, don't let your adornment be merely outward that there are people who criticize other people in the church for doing these things, for having a nice hairdo, for wearing nice shoes, for wearing a gold item. You know, I, I, uh, there's an Instagram guy called Prophets and Watches, and he just goes bashing all these ministers that have nice watches. And I've actually... I've actually like gotten some you know, ideas of watches I need to buy and bought some of those watches. I'm like, oh, Kenneth Copeland has that watch. I'm gonna find a good deal on it and buy it myself. Thank you, profits and watches. I actually got a Kenneth Copeland model on tonight, and I don't even have you know, a fleet of jets like Kenneth Copeland, but uh, someday. I'll be on profits in watches. <laughs> That's one of my goals. <laughs> I, was still, I might send a picture just like with, with just just like like a gangster, just like s- watches just stacked, all my violins Bryl- and Rolexes and just I'll make it easy for you. Here you go, an associate pastor from Carter Springs, wears fine apparel. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. These are mere things. They're things that matter more. And if you, if you have a bad hair day, I'm not condemning you. I, you. know, Some of you are like, man, I should have worn my makeup tonight. Pastor Aaron just going after this appearance thing. It says, let this, let it be the hidden person of the heart. And here, here we're going to see something about meekness. The hidden. So th- these, these faithfulness, meekness, self-control, these are, are hidden in the heart, right from the center of who you are. Let it be the hidden person of the heart, which is incorruptible, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, a meek, gentle, meek meek, or gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Say, say meekness. It's very precious in the sight of God. Sometimes when I wanted someone to just hear it, and I just zipped it instead. Man, you, you, you are getting, God is giving you the nations. You don't even know what he's going to do. Very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted, it, it, it goes to your trust in God. The holy women who trusted in God. They also adorn themselves. It all goes back to your relationship with God. I can be submissive to someone who might not always be perfect. Maybe it's, it's at home. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at church. Church will get a little messy at times. Being submissive to their own. That's a that, that great word that Pastor Lawson is going to do a series on very soon. Submission. Come, come one, come all. <clears throat> submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed. Obeyed. Oh my gosh. Obeyed. Wow. Abraham. Was Abraham the greatest husband? <laughs> who have ever walked on the face of the earth. <laughs> Calling him Lord. We'll get to the other side of this thing in verse 7. Don't worry. <laughs> <coughs> Calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. It goes back to trusting in God first. Verse 7, husbands likewise, say likewise. Likewise. I think husbands can also have a meek and gentle and quiet spirit and demeanor about them, right? Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. It doesn't say understand them. God does not call you to do the impossible. It says be understanding. It doesn't say you have to understand them. Husbands, young men, if you think you have it all figured out, you don't. You might think you have it figured out today, but tomorrow you'll be like, wait, what happened to the woman I was married to yesterday? If, if you understand women all the time, please write a book on it. I'll be the first person to buy it. It says, be understanding. I'm preaching to myself. Heather is saying, "Be understanding." I have some great points for husbands tonight. Be understanding. This is this is a hidden man of the heart type thing. Be understand. Even if you don't understand, you still have to be understanding. Does that make sense? I don't understand why you're crying. I don't understand why you're angry. I don't understand why. Just be understanding. This next point, this is, this, is, this is huge, giving honor to the wife. I want to explain what this means. The, the Greek word for honor, you can look it up, you can study it, the Greek word for honor means to set a value to something. To give her honor means to make her more valuable. You, you give her, you make her valuable. When I, when, I, when I buy a nice watch, I try to buy it for a good deal. Or maybe someone who doesn't value it as much as it should be valued. They took bad pictures, they, they beat it up, it needs polished, it needs fixed up. You know, this, this watch is a $10,000 watch. I bought it for $3,000, they usually sell for $5,000, I'll sell it for $4,000, I'll make $1,000 profits in watches, tithe, bless the church, and go buy another one. Something that you've advertised for me that I realized, oh, I need to have that watch too. Giving honor, it means that, that you are to, to make her more valuable. You are to draw out the potential within her. She might not see her value, but you are to show her her value. You are to show other people her value. Draw out her God-given gifts, her God-given talents, her heart, her beauty. You give her honor. You, you give her value. Amen? That, that's, that's revelation for someone. Man, all, all these points are, are massive, just revelation points. Be understanding. That doesn't mean you have to understand her. Don't even, sometimes it's better not to even try to understand. But just be understanding. Giving honor. And keep giving honor to your, to your wife. From day one to day one million, you keep giving honor to her. And and this next one is great. As to the weaker vessel. It it does not say she is the weaker vessel. It says the way you're understanding her, the way you're giving honor to her, it is as to the weaker vessel. That is extremely different than saying she is the weaker vessel. As to the weaker vessel means you will consistently treat her with care. Something that, that is delicate, something that is... Fragile, something that is important. You don't, you know. I, I've told my son Fisher if he has like he loves Legos. He's nine years old. He builds, you know, beautiful, intense Lego creations that take him days to make. And I say, Fisher, that is a very delicate, beautiful creation. If you leave it on the ground with your little toddler sister, and she breaks it, it's not her fault. It's your fault. Husbands, you, you, your wife is 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 an incredibly marvelous creation in God's eyes. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't just leave her on the ground and say whatever happens happens. No, you you put her up on your display shelf. Fisher has the special shelf where the most special of all special Legos go. No one is allowed to touch those Legos. None of his friends no, that that is, that is the special. I think in the Lego movie, there's something called the special. <laughs> Your wife is the special, and you're to treat her as the special, treat her as the weaker vessel, right? You, you consistently treat her with care, compassion, love, tenderness, affection. You make a practice of, of this, right? And man, the next point is awesome, and As being heirs together of the grace of life. Remember that you are heirs together. You are heirs together. You are on the same team for this grace life. You know, I've been married four and a half years now. And I think it's maybe six months into our marriage, I had this kind of thought: like, what did I get myself into? If you've been married, you've possibly had this thought before. I've never had that. Heather's never had that thought. <laughs> she is probably thinking it right now. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say much. I, I don't. Th- I, I just. I think my dad knew I, I was trying to figure things out, and he. I didn't. I didn't give him all the details. It's best not to just share all the details of your marriage to your parents. You need to have some boundaries. Say boundaries. But he 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 said something that just completely shifted my mindset. And he said, "Aaron, you and Heather are on the same team." Like you're 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 maybe looking at it like you're on your adversaries, but you're not. You're on the same team. And that 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 that's actually fixed my mentality ever since. I haven't even had that thought ever since, which is pretty good. Being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That, that is huge. That's a pretty powerful statement right there, that your prayers may not be hindered. This is saying that there is a strong correlation between your relationship with God and your spouse and your marriage God wants us to inherit a blessing. That's why He says here in verse eight: "Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, tender-hearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing." The spirit of meekness and gentleness—it's a requirement for leaders in the body of Christ. You are to lead with with this this spirit. You are to to correct with this spirit. Galatians six one says this: Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, say so you who are spirit spiritual, go talk about it to everyone. Go, go talk about it on TikTok and YouTube. And now you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness or gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. What makes someone truly spiritual? It's not just their gifting, their ability, their talents, their charisma, but it's their fruit. Their fruit. Meekness, gentleness, it's required for leaders, and also self-control is. And I think I can preach self-control in five minutes. Are you guys okay? Okay. I'm not going to make you long suffer tonight. Do not worry. All right, 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 6. I'm going to talk a little bit about the church. Say the church. I'm going to define the church. I've heard a lot of squirrely definitions of what is a church. I've heard some people saying, you know, I'm not going to come anymore because I just go on hikes on Sunday mornings. That's church for me. Or I just get, you know, together with my friends at a coffee shop, you yeah, every now and then we, we read the Bible and that's church for me. That is not church. That is not church. I'm going to give you a biblical definition for what constitutes a church. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 6. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop or overseer or pastor, He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Relationships are huge. Temperate, talking about self-control, sober-minded of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Preachers should be able to teach, like I'm teaching tonight on what is a church. Getting together, you know, just in your home with your friends or at a coffee shop is not a church, I'll tell you why. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. That word submission again. Pastor Lawson again can use this verse on his great series coming up soon. Come one, come all, come many. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? It's saying, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. Not a novice, why not a novice? Because certain fruit take time. To see if they're there. Time. And also, how do you react when you don't get what you want? Even if you're the boss, even if you're the, the, the head honcho, senior pastor, Pastor Lawson, do you always get what you want? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Skip ahead to verse 14. These things I write to you that I hope to come to you shortly, I hope to come to your coffee shop shortly, I hope to come on a hike with you shortly on Sunday morning, because this is where church is. No. He's saying there should be an overseer, a pastor, someone who who, who lives this out, someone who has the ability to teach, right, someone who has experience, someone who's not a novice, like... These things I write to you that I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself at the coffee shop with your friends, on your hike, watching TV at home, in the house of God. So in context, when he's talking about the house of God, talking about the church of the living God, he's talking about pastors, he's talking about bishops, overseers, deacons, You know, people who are given responsibility in the church. I've realized some people who've kind of estranged themselves from a church, I know there's some places that it's hard to find a good church. I get that, I'm I'm like glad that there's technology that allows people to connect from from all parts of the world. But oftentimes people people disconnect from a church because they, they didn't it's a it's a fruit type of thing, especially those last three fruit. And, and I'm sorry to say that in in a church setting, you're not always going to get what you want and for for to, for church to work, it's very relational that there there is going to be submitting to one another. there is going to be respecting the head, the head pastor, right? And, and, and um, we all work as a team. We're all part of the same community of faith, but they're, they're just being on your own is not church. You are part of the body of Christ. You're born again, right? I, I want to say this quote from Tony Evans. He said, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and this is the Wednesday night group, so you guys are like, you guys get it. You, you've had some long suffering towards Pastor Aaron and not gotten what you wanted, <laughs> and you're still here. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. That's a great quote, Tony Evans. Self-control, it's a self-relational type thing. Sometimes you have to talk to yourself. You have to control yourself. Psalm 42, verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? This psalmist is talking to his self. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance, and my God. It all goes back to trusting in God. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, and you live in a body. Don't let your soul possess you. You possess your soul. That's why Jesus said this in Luke 21, verse 19. Jesus spoke in King James English, In your patience possess ye your souls. I like the King James right there. It's just so direct. King James is sometimes very punchy. I like it. Just word for word translation. Those are the best translations. In your patience possess ye your souls. It all comes back to God's love, even self-control. Temperance, it comes back to God's love. It comes back to that very first fruit. 1 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ constrains us, compels us. It helps you stay in check. I forgot to tell you my point for self-control, but it was this. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) My conclusion, I I actually want to conclude with um, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7 from the Passion Translation. And then I go back to this all the time. This is not a word-for-word translation, but it's a beautiful, inspired translation, especially this passage of Scripture. It all comes back to God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 4 through 7. I look at this because this is, this is what I consider to be my job description as a pastor here at Keira's Christian Center, as a, as a believer, as a minister of the gospel. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel, ministers of God's love. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others." Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. That really sums up a lot of the fruit and a lot of the points I was trying to make with all these nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's 8.19. I finished right on time. God has a great sense of timing. I love you all tremendously. Thanks for joining me on this journey through the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll continue our walk in the fruit of the Spirit towards each other. Amen. Sometimes it gets messy. But it's okay. Keep trusting God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Charis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.